I am Dr. Jennifer Kaufman, your host today with Dr. Barbara Eaton from Alaska. Welcome to our podcast episode number nine. Today, women are stepping out as entrepreneurs looking to develop as leaders in their field, developing as transformational thought leaders. They're creating businesses to create world change and prosperity for themselves and their families. Each week, join me with powerful entrepreneurs who are sharing their journey to success. Today, please welcome Dr. Barbara Eaton. She is a farm girl at heart which has taught her a number of valuable lessons to work hard when the time is right or you'll never get your crop planted or harvested. God and family are what matters most. The rest is just stuff. You only get ahead when the whole team wins and, of course, early to bed, early to rise. These truths cultivate a strong foundation for her as she entered the world of entrepreneurism. She opened her chiropractic practice in December of 1998 at the tender age of 29 years of age. In less than 90 days, she was serving over 180 office visits per week. This momentum led her to massive growth. In less than five years, she generated over $1.3 million in a tiny town of 5,000. She attributes her success first to God and secondary to innovative systems, creative marketing, and consistent personal growth, as well as polished teamwork. While still in practice, she began coaching her chiropractic colleagues from around the world, and continues to do so today. Female chiropractors hire Dr. Barbara as their coach when they're at a plateau and they know that they're capable of so much more. New doctors are able to recognize that they learned a lot about being a doctor, but virtually nothing about being a savvy businesswoman, and they hire her to make sure they start out on the right entrepreneurial foot, to grow fast and with massive profits. Upper six- and seven-figure chiropractors enroll their associates and teams in Dr. Barber's coaching to ensure their team is expertly trained to rapidly be assets in their business. She invites you to ask anyone who has coached with her now or has in the past, and they will affirm that she drives hard, she's obsessed with helping others, sees their optimum potential, and then customizes a plan to live it. Life is about abundance and being wildly obsessed with all aspects of our lives. She looks forward to helping many see their brilliance and untapped potential. Today, please welcome Dr. Barbara Eaton. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's great to be with you and your audience. Well, welcome. Can you tell us, because um, you've also had a journey. You're a chiropractor, you're a coach, you're a mom, you're a wife. Um, you have so many roles, but tell us a little bit about your journey from success to where you are now. Um, yeah, so I, I think my journey starts like a, a lot of women that, um, you know, early on, I always saw myself as a, a woman who wanted a career and not a part-time career, but something that defines my life. Um, you know, I, I am a mom, I, I am a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend. I'm a leader in my community, um, and and all of those things define me, including being a successful entrepreneur and helping other entrepreneurs realize their dream, and then not only just having a dream, which is just something up in our conscious mind, but what are the specific steps that are necessary to bring that dream into a reality? So um, I hired my first coach five months before I ever opened my practice because I knew after getting my degree, I didn't know how to share this wonderful gift with chiropract- of chiropractic with my community. I didn't know how to run a successful business. I didn't really know what 
a ledger was or what systems were. And so I knew that in order to be successful, I had to get proper training to hit the ground running. So when I opened my practice, we had a huge um, grand opening. We had over 100 people in our office throughout the day. Um, and that launched into 180 office visits in um, 180 office visits per week at the day of day 89. And it just kept continuing to go from there. And the reason it grew is because I had a solid foundation. So I see so many entrepreneurs struggling because they, they have a dream that then become, that is like kind of more of a hobby. And then they treat their business like a hobby and businesses are never hobbies if you really plan for them to fund your ideal lifestyle. So that's the gist of it. What would you say along the way, have you yourself, even with your own business and with your coaching business, have you had any things that have set you back and how have you handled that and how have you grown from that? <laughs> Yeah, so I laugh because if you don't have a story yet, just wait, one's coming. Um, that's just the nature, you know, like that's the nature of living is, is it's about triumph. You know, my husband and I love watching the American Ninja and, it, and I love that community because they share in their struggles and in their victories. I mean, there are individuals doing that American Ninja that have prosthetic legs or um, are, you know, like have one arm or, or like the guy that we watched yesterday had stage three pancreatic cancer, beat cancer and trained for in the process of then training for American Ninja Warrior found out he has stage four lung cancer. But, you know, like all of us have to decide are the worst things in our lives going to define us or the best thing. So I remember sitting in trimester one of chiropractic college and and like, you know, it's like the welcome thing. And one of the things they told us is that 75% of marriages within chiropractic school end in divorce, whether that's faculty or students who come in or whatever. And I thought, no way. Well, hello. So while I was in chiropractic college, I, I got pregnant, I got married, I got divorced, I got married, and I got pregnant. Oh. All in chiropractic college. <laughs> so, yeah. I definitely had some hurdles to overcome. And while I was in practice, um, my husband, before I met him, um, the husband at the time had a, a drug and alcohol pro problem, addiction that progressively got worse. And um, so, you know, worked through to overcome that. And in the process, found out that he had been unfaithful to me throughout our 10 years of marriage. And um, I always said there's lots of sex going on in our marriage. It's just I wasn't there. Um, so, so overcoming, you know, and, and working through adultery and, um, you know, I, I remember actually when I, I finally found out he was having an affair, I was on the phone with him in my practice, which was only like not even a half a mile from my house. And he said, you know, basically I, he went on this ski trip and while he was there, met this woman and they had an affair and like, I heard the details from him and I'm like, listen, I like great to hear, but I got to go. I have practice numbers to serve. Um, and so it's, it's really just, I think, and it's not compartmentalizing our lives, but it's also staying focused. Like I think of focus, like a house is on fire. 
and my child's inside. I have to get my child out. I don't care what else is going on. I'm going in, I'm getting it done, and I'm coming back out with a victory. And I think that we really have to attack our goals and our dreams in the same way, that nothing is going to stop me because you can't do you can't do success part way. Like I just posted on Facebook, you can do your business with part-time hours, but you absolutely cannot do entrepreneurialism with part-time focus, part-time determination or part-time obsession that whatever you're doing, even if you're only working in your business 20 hours a week, make sure those 20 hours a week are a hundred percent obsession in those 20 hours a week. Then when you're with your family or you're, or you're doing the rest of your life, be obsessed with whatever you're doing so you're not halfway showing up. That's awesome, I love that. How do you set yourself up for success daily? Do you have routines? Um, do you eat a certain way? I know we're chiropractors, so we tend to eat a little cleaner than, than most. And um, do you set goals or affirmations? What is, do you have a morning routine? Um, number one is get out of bed as soon as your alarm goes off. Like, don't wait. Instantly get out of bed. And the five-second rule by Mel Robbins really brings this home, and she pr supports it with, with the science behind it. That you know, our body we have sleep cycles, and most sleep cycles are anywhere from 90 minutes to 120 minutes. So what happens if your alarm goes off and you just kind of lay there? Is your body thinks it's in another sleep cycle? And so that's why if your alarm goes off and you hit snooze, that's why it takes so long to get going in the morning is because your body now is in another sleep cycle for 90 minutes to 110 minutes. So I've always been the person that, and, and I never really understood why like mornings are so successful for me, but it's, it's because of that. When, when I wake up or the alarm goes off, bam, I am up, my feet are hitting the ground and I am going. Um, and one of the things that Grant Cardone teaches is before you go to bed at night, write down your goals. And when you get up in the morning and don't write down your goals as if you're going to accomplish them, just write down, like what is innate downloading to you? Uh, you know, like I want to have a million dollar, but I, I will have a $5 million business. I will have this, I will have this as if it's present time and you already have it. Like I have, I own a $5 million business. I, this, I, that. Um, and that really just sets your intention for the day. In terms of eating, um, you know, one thing being an Alaskan, we're really self-sufficient people. So we hunt and we fish and talk about organic, organic meat, especially because I know from the time that that animal stopped breathing, I know how it's processed. You know, like I know how it's been taken care of to get it to my plate. Um, so we're very much about subsistence here in Alaska, whether it's getting in your firewood or it's you know, uh, harvesting your own meat or growing your own, your own vegetables. Um, so eating clean is just, it's, it's a part of, of living here. Are there people who live here who don't? Yeah, of course. And I'm not perfect at, <laughs> at my nutrition either. It's always something I need to work, work harder at and being more intentional about. Um, but, but certainly having a plan every single day makes a world of difference. And then, and then not giving, like not letting yourself slip. Like at the end of the day, if you didn't hit your marks, you didn't earn going to bed. Like stay <laughs> up and get, get those things done because you didn't earn the right to just chill out. 
Right. And, and chilling out feels much better when we've earned it. Amen. Amen. What have you learned over the years to say yes to and what do you say no to? Well, one of the rules I learned early on in, from my coach, Dr. Tony Palermo, was when someone asks me to do something, hey, Barb, can you help with whatever it is? My first response is, when do you need my answer by? When do you need my answer by? And then I follow it up with, here's the deal. If I say no, don't take it personally. It's, I only commit to those things that I can do at 100%. So if I can't do 100%, my answer is going to be no. So that's one of my rules about yes and no. Awesome. Will I be in at 100%? Because if it's not 100%, it's a no. That's good. I like that. So the things that I say yes to have to align with where am I going? Where am I going? You know, like, um, for instance, right now in my career, if I was asked to speak at a MOPS group, my answer is going to be no. Why? Because that's not my niche. But I'll find somebody for them to speak at their MOPS group, but it won't be me. That's not my niche right now. That's not my target right now. And I, I'm not, like, throwing out a huge net because I am niche. I have a specific market. And, and moms who are raising small children who aren't career women, that's not my niche. So if I said yes to that, that means I'm saying no to another opportunity to reach my niche. We are the sum total of the five people we surround ourselves by. Are there people and qualities um, of people that you and your husband allow in your circle, like those, those top five people that you want to surround yourself by? Yeah, we have circles of people that we hang out with together. Um, me personally, who I choose to spend my time with, I have a coach, um, and he is a three-time best-selling author. Um, he has achieved more than I have in my life, and so I want to be around him. Um, I have a, a past coach from the beginning of this year as well that is, you know, a, a seven, nearly eight-figure entrepreneur. I surround myself with him. Um, I, I've always been somebody who is a, a low maintenance person. Like I, if somebody is just a complainer, they're not going to fit in my circle. I, I, I don't, I don't have time for it. I don't have energy for it. I, I live without excuses and I expect those around me to live without excuses as well. So those are big qualities for me. Is this person like taking positive action in their life or are they sitting back like they're a victim? I, I don't have room for victims. I, I don't see the need for it. We live in too much abundance and there are too many opportunities that a victim mentality, um, you know, victims have an amazing way of making victims of others and I'm not going to be one. How do you um, define your coaching among the other chiropractic coaches that are out there? What makes you stand alone and different? I'm the best. <laughs> I love that. I mean, and it's, it's not bragging if it's true. And the reason I'm the best is because I customize my coaching to match each client. 
So no two clients are alike. No two clients have the same goals. No two clients have the same business. No two clients have the same circumstances. So my coaching is 100% customized to what that doctor wants. I also, I, I meet them toe to toe. So, you know, I, I become friends with my clients, but they've hired me for a specific purpose. And a coach is the person who gets you to do what you don't want to do so you can enjoy and have what you want. So sometimes it's not comfortable. You know, I, I think a great example of not comfortable is Tim Grover in his book, Relentless. You know, he tells his clients, you know, if you're not puking after, after a workout, something is wrong. And if you're unwilling to do the work that, that I've laid out for you, then, you know, we're no longer going to be together. Why? Because it's my reputation on the line. So now that doesn't mean that I establish their goals for them. But if you've part, if you've asked me to partner with you, I take that very seriously and we're going to go the distance to make it happen. And if you're unwilling to do the work, I, I can't be partnered with you because you've asked me to join you on a journey. So what makes me the best as well is, is because I know business. I also know that being everywhere and nowhere at the same time is a losing formula. So I help my clients develop, what are you really good at? What can we leverage? And let's keep running that system over and over again until you're dominating your community in that market. Because there are four really essential aspects of any business. It's your niche, your message, your scalability, and your tech. And we've got to get those four things aligned and in order in order for you to really dominate your community. Nice. And don't play tag with your brand. Put your brand out there and make sure everybody knows your brand. Everybody in your niche knows your brand. Do you accept all people that want to coach with you? Do I accept them? Do you, do you accept them? Do you accept all people that want to coach with you? No. Are there certain qualities I just look for in a coaching client? Absolutely. Um, number one, if, if I'm a victim thing comes up, we won't be a match. I, I, I'm not the match for you. If you want to do life part-time because you only want to give 50%, uh, it's just going to be a struggle and there's no point. Um, there are plenty of other coaches who just want to be your friend and talk about and placate you. Oh, I'm so sorry, Johnny. I'm so sorry, Mary. Like it is really hard and the economy is really slow. Like it's okay. No, absolutely not. I mean, if the economy is down, expand. When the economy is down, stand and strengthen because when it comes back up, you will dominate. You will be the Titan. Actually, I just talked that to my husband this morning. Like, I love being married to the Alaska mining Titan. <laughs> My husband's the number one guy in his field and it's awesome. And we hold each other accountable. He drives hard and I drive hard. And sometimes that means we butt heads. Actually pretty often that means we butt heads, but we recognize it's because we're both driving really hard. And that's what works for us. I'm not saying that works for everybody, but it depends on where you're going. 
if you have big intentions and big dreams and big goals, you have to drive hard. It's like the guy or the gal who wants to win the nat, you know, like the NASCAR races. They're not, they're not trailing anybody else. They're out in front. Right. Why? Because they want to win. <laughs> I want to win. And I do win. Self-care. How do you take care of yourself? Um, I will be honest. I'm not at the top of my game in that right now. Um, and I have no excuses because excuses get you nowhere. <clears throat> Um, I love being outside. So, and I live in Alaska and we have mountains everywhere. So for me, hiking is a huge, like not only a stress reliever, but I get to be outside with my dogs and my girlfriends and, and see the just amazing, amazing beauty that God has created here. You know, I, I, I often feel sorry for people who live in cities when all you see is cement. And your eye has to stop because you live in big buildings. And so you look out and immediately your eye stops and all it can do is like run up this building where my eyes, I get to just see for miles and miles, like beautiful scenery. And, and I am a big fan of um, make sure you live in a place that feeds your soul. You know, I lived in Michigan. That's where I grew up and it's pretty. It doesn't feed my soul. I had tons of family and friends around so my heart was filled with that, but like feeding my soul and our environment, especially like in Alaska, you know, it's called the midnight. Now we're, we're getting close to having 19 hours of daylight. And even at night, it's not particularly dark. Um, you know, one o'clock in the morning, I can still easily see around my house because of the windows and the skylights that we have. And so you just go like balls out, like <laughs> whether we're hooking up to the trailer with the raft and heading down to the Kenai or we're hooking up to the trailer and heading out to moose camp on our quads or jumping on an airplane to go to our boat, which is in Ketchikan or hiking or swimming the dogs or whatever. It's just like full on go. So I think that you really have to be in an environment that, that matches, um, matches what your soul craves. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say to women out there that have trouble with self-worth, self-esteem, self-loving, where you can see it all over all areas of their life? What are some areas that you tell them that they could work on to lift that up? Um, I learned this early on, and, and actually our Women Chiropractors Mastermind Call, Dr. Susan Blasky talked about it yesterday. Um, she you know, I had gone through bankruptcy and lots of just personal struggles and was raising two special needs kids kind of on her own. Even though she was married, she was still kind of on her own. And, and so I asked her, like, as you were going through all of these things, what about you? And she was like, you know what? It wasn't about me because I found if all I did was think about my own problems, I could real quickly drown in self-pity and sorrow. It was about serving other people. Right. And I think so often... You know, and I think that's part of the, the problem with our culture today. It's all about me, 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 me. And we focus on our feelings. It's like in colleges now, they have what, like 19 times the number of counselors that they did back when you and I were in college because these kids are all like emotional. I, 
I've got to have my emotional help dog and I've got to have this thing and I've got to have that thing. And it's all because they've been taught that life, the world focuses on them, revolves around them. That is not true. It doesn't. It's about serving other people. And, and my parents always told us when we were kids, if you're feeling sorry for yourself, serve somebody else. Because it does, it magically transforms our thoughts and our minds and our actions. And if all you do is think about yourself, you're going to find plenty, plenty of things that are wrong. So that which we focuses on, focus on grows. So a, a woman who has no self-worth, I would say, number one, look at who you're looking for self-worth from. If you're not filled in that, change where you're getting your self-worth from. Every single one of us, right now to develop our self-worth can drop and do a couple of push-ups that makes a big difference stand there and jump up even if you can't jump very high and try to bring your knees to your chest it makes you feel better reach down touch the floor and throw your arms up in the air serve somebody else like just like take action when when we're in and, and mel robbins again talk talks about this in the five second rule that <clears throat> between a thought which triggers our instincts and our emotions which talks us out of it, there's five seconds. So in five seconds, when you have an idea, do it. Don't wait for the emotion that will typically talk you out of it, whether it's the emotions of fear or the emotions of I don't have any self-worth. or The reason you have self-worth is because you act on your worth. If you just wait for the feeling, you will not have it. <laughs> Take action and enjoy the emotion from your action versus having waiting for the, the emotions to start getting you going. You know, it's just like if you don't get the affection from your husband that you want, take action. Walk up to him and say, hey, dude, put your arms around me. <laughs> or walk up and put your arms around him. If there's so much resistance that you can't with him, find a girlfriend. Hey, you know what? I need a hug. Okay, I'll give you a hug. Probably don't do this as a stranger, although there are probably plenty of men that would be like, I'll give you a hug. Um, or if you have children, if you need affection, like act. Act. Take responsibility for your own emotions and your own happiness. Don't wait for somebody else to fill it. Yes. You have 100% capability to fill it. No victim. Now, the only, there are victims, and there are people who can't do more for themselves. That's a child or somebody with special needs. They do rely on all of us. So fill their cup, and I guarantee you, your cup will be overflowing. Right. But if, if you can, you must. Success is my duty, my obligation, and my responsibility. Happiness is my duty, my, my responsibility, and my obligation like that don't wait for others for the mom entrepreneurs out there and you have two beautiful children that you um had in chiropractic school how did you do it how did you then become a business owner and make it all happen um obsession I mean, that's how I did it. Whether I was in school, I was obsessed with, all right, at this time I'm studying, I'm obsessed. So I would have like a mother's helper come into my home and entertain my kids. I also wasn't one of those moms who, who felt like I had to sit on the floor and play with my kids all the time. Because since 
since I had kids, I had this huge like urgency of I only have, I will only be able to train them for 18 years. Not that being a mother ends when they're 18, but you get the idea. So my biggest, my biggest concern was as my kids grow into adults, I want these things. I want them to love the Lord. I want them to be independent and I want them to make great decisions. So how do I do those things? Well, we know we always went to church together as a family. We go to church together as a family. We studied God's word together so that they adopted it for themselves. Um, the, the next was that, that I taught them responsibility. It's your responsibility. Even something as simple as when you get out of the car, take your crap with you. Don't leave trash in this car. Don't leave your stuff in this car. I don't care if you're going to come back to it right now. You take it out and you put it away. My kids had chores around the house and no, they didn't get an allowance. There's a responsibility with being a part of this team and living in this family. I showed them how to do it. And then I let them do it. I didn't care if it took them 30 wipes to clean the toilet, clean the toilet. However, you got to get it done, clean it. Um, with, with their grades, here's the standard. You're both really smart. You're in private school, get A's. That's it. That's what we're going to do. However, you need my help to do that. I will do it. But the standard is you're getting A's. Um, you know, when we start something, we finish it. We also had tons of fun together, but you earn the privilege, you know, with responsibility comes, pri with privilege comes responsibility. So we earn that. Um, and I'm proud to say that my children both pay for their own education. They pay for everything. I pay for my son's um, cell phone bill and his car insurance and, and healthcare. Everything else he pays for. He has a brand, he has a, a beautiful King Ranch truck. He bought it. He's paying for his education. He's entering his senior year at Moody Bible Institute and will move on to get his master's degree and his, his PhD, and he wants to be a professor. My daughter has paid for her entire life, including her insurance and cell phone bills, since she was 17. She works her butt off. She wants to be a nurse anesthetist. They, and, and it wasn't just like, all right, here you're 18, or for my kids' sake, 17, because she is a year ahead in school. Um, I, I taught them how to do that and they absorbed that teaching, right? So it didn't just happen. It was a conscious decision when they were early on. And listen, for all you parents who are out there and listening today and you have mistakenly thought that, oh, well, I teach my kids at five. Like I just let them make their own decisions. Don't be a fool. <laughs> a five-year-old is not skilled to make their own decisions. Their only decision to make is, will I obey or not? You make the decisions for them. If you want your kids to make good decisions, they'll learn them because they watch you making good decisions for them. Yes. So it blows me away in this culture that parents are, are, well, you know, my kids will decide if they want to go to church or my kids will decide if, you know, when they want to get out of bed or my kids will decide, really? So you also going to let them decide if they want to run across the street? Are you also going to let them decide if they're going to eat healthy or not? Are you also going to let them decide if they go to school or not? Give me a break. That's like ludicrous. True. So your kids will learn to make good decisions because you have made good decisions for them. You're their parent for crying out loud. You're not their friend. 
be their parent because no one else is going to fill that role. Unless, of course, you want their friends to fill that role as being their, their parent. And then they'll get their information from their friends who are their same ages. Great plan. It doesn't work like that. Do you celebrate your wins or do you automatically, when you win, move on to something else next? Yeah, so it's like success. Success and breathing are the same. So the breath I just took, it's really important because I'm still alive. <laughs> However, my next breath is way more important than the one I just had. And it's just like success. Of course I celebrate, but if all I do is base my life on yesterday's successes, I'm real quickly not going to have any more to celebrate. So your successes are important, especially because they'll catapult you to the next one. How do you set goals um, with regards to, or even teaching your clients, to set goals and then create action steps so that they can actually achieve that goal. Do you have a process with that? Yeah, we have massive goals. Anyone who encouraged you to set realistic goals recognize they gave up a long time ago and now they want you to give up. Who sets realistic goals? Why, like, who gets up in the day and goes, oh, I hope I hit my realistic goals today. Boring, that's boring. That doesn't require you to grow and to stretch. And, you know, like, I think a really cool thing in life is to push yourself to see what you're capable of. Even if you try and you don't hit it the first time, that's okay. Sign up to do it again. But to only expect that I'll do what I did again yesterday, that's boring. That's a sure way to lead to burnout. Because you're never requiring yourself to do bigger and better. So we. You know, in, in one of the trainings in my 56-day chiropractic boot camp to double your business is to set massive goals and set your goals without, can I do it? Do I know how to do it? Have I done it before? Doesn't matter. Just what are those dreams? What are those goals that are like fluttering around in your head? Something my husband and I want to do someday, I don't know when, is to live off the grid for a year. Will we ever do it? I don't know. It just sounds pretty fun. So it's on my list when I go to bed at night and when I wake up in the morning. One year off the grid. I think that'd be tons of fun. It would be fun. I don't know if we'll do it, but it's on my list. It's on my list that my business will generate $5 million a year minimum. Have I done it yet? Nope. Will I? Uh, yeah, for sure. So then what happens is, is you ask yourself, What's the first thing that I know how to do to accomplish this goal? I don't know any, I, I don't know how to accomplish it. All right, do I know one person who has? Yes, I do. Great. Tap into them. Hey, Dave, so I want to make $5 million this year. What's the first step that I should take? Well, this and this and this. Great. Go do it. Action. Awesome. It's all about action. Leaders. And goals are really like GPS coordinates. Like when you set them, if you don't, like, so if my GPS coordinates are going to take me to Anchorage and I choose instead to go east, northeast, I'm never going to get to Anchorage. That's not where Anchorage is, is from here. 
Anchorage is southwest from here. It's not northeast. So be honest with where you take off. If you set your goal and you go in the opposite direction, you don't take action steps towards that goal, you will not get there. Leaders or readers, do you prefer to read books or do audibles or do both? Well, you know, I've always been a reader. Um, and, and now I'm an audible person. It's, but, but my rule with audible is that the person who wrote it has to narrate it. Right. Because what they do is they throw in so much more and you get to experience who they are. Their character and, and like the little extra nuances. So I am a big fan of, of audiobooks. And, and here's a rule that I have found that has worked really well in my life, even before Audible books. So this was back in the day of cassette tapes, is no matter what I was doing, if I wasn't actively listening to somebody or talking to them, I had an audio file playing. Now, back in the day when I was first in practice, it was learning how to do my consultation, my report of findings, my ask for referrals, ask for testimonials, you know, financial presentations, all that kind of stuff. But I just always have an audio playing, whether I'm in and out of my car running errands, because every five minutes I'm in my car, it's five minutes more that I have leveraged. If I'm doing dishes, if I'm, um, you know, playing with my dogs, I just constantly fill my brain with the areas in which I want to grow and expand. And everybody has that time. So you can be reading books, just listen to them as an audiophile, kind of in place that we listen to music. And, and I'm pretty sure most people don't know songs because they sat down and listened to them and wrote them out. It's repetition, that's the first law of learning, it's repetition. So just start bathing your mind in the material that you want to conquer. That's it. So like what I'm listening to right now, so I have Grant Cardone, I love Be Obsessed or Be Average, and Sell or Be Sold, and 10X. Those are my top three favorite Grant Cardone. Um, Mel Robbins, she's like on my playlist right now, and I'm listening to her like obsessively, and that's the five-second rule, great one. I also don't like play tag with them. I listen to them. My rule is I have to listen to them enough that I'm saying it with them. Right. Because then I know that I learned it. And so that would just kind of like play tags. And then I, because you won't ever really apply this, the stuff if you barely know it. Right. You have to own it. Um, and then the other one I started last weekend was, I've already read the book Relentless by Tim Grover. And now I started listening to the audio. But the disappointing thing is like a really boring person is a narrator. <laughs> but the content is still really good. So, I Tim love Grover, it. if you're Grant. listening to this, please narrate your own book. Grant Cardone, I love um, his books because he narrates them and um, he just adds his own flavor and his own personality to them. He's so funny. I got to see him at Cairo Sushi. Um, and actually, when he came in, I was like one of the first people and we got our picture taken together. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, he's funny. But here's the funny thing. During his presentation, I have listened to him so many times that I pretty much was saying all of his stories with him <laughs> and all of his stuff with them because I've listened to him so many times. So it felt like, you know, like kind of a repeat, which was fine because I learned it more. 
Um, hire a coach. No one like success is a team effort. Failure is a solitary journey. Right. Success is a team effort and failure is a solitary journey. So number one, hire a coach. Um, and, and don't pick the coach that's just going to make you feel good. Pick the coach that's going to require you to show up in ways you've never shown up before. Um, number two, Remember that you are the average of the five people you hang out with, and that includes income. So if you want to scale up your income, you better be hanging out with individuals who make 10x more than you do. If you're the richest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. You always want to be around people who are scaling up higher than you are. Mm -hmm. um, so that's number two. Number three, be obsessed. Don't play tag with success and do it once in a while because you're going to get once in a while results. And what happens is, is what leads to burnout and frustration is when, when our rewards don't match our effort. And many times I find that we think that we're working harder than we are because many of the hours in our mind that we're working or it's like, it's all the worry. Well, you don't get to count that as action. <laughs> so be honest about how much time you're really investing in your business and growing yourself. And, 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 and don't stay in lack, like get help and then apply it. So, um, you know, set, set 10x goals. Don't set reasonable goals. Set 10x goals. And, and no one's going to come, you know, come to your door and make success happen for you. You have to go out every single day and grab it. Like, I see, like, my goals as they're out there. I'm going to grab them and pull them in and slam them into me. Because I, I can pull forward from the future. Mm -hmm. I don't have to wait till someday I can make it happen today. And then I've just always lived by, I don't know where I got it, but I can remember even as a, you know, a high school student thinking this and like, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? If I walk up to a complete stranger, I walk up to a multimillionaire and, you know, introduce myself or whatever. What's the worst thing that could happen? They look at me and tell me, go away. Okay. Didn't hurt. I'm still breathing. You know, they didn't slice my throat open or anything. What's the worst thing that could happen? Mm -hmm. And just act. Remember, there's five seconds between instinct and emotion telling you don't. Act. Mm -hmm. Take action. And reach out to me. If I can help you, I'll tell you I can. If I can't, I, I'll tell you that too. But there are way too many resources available to each one of us to be wildly successful. I think half the time we think 
so small and we think mediocre, even if we say, you know, I remember when I first started out in practice and, and I had someone tell me to write my goals down and I wrote them down three times a day and I set them every day for three times a day and the guy I dated at the time thought I was crazy. And almost within a year, I had everything on my list. And even when I wrote those goals down and I set them out loud and I set them with emotion and it was the first time I'd ever set goals or set intentions or understood that my words create my reality. I can visualize this. I'm creating. And I realized here, I'm like, shit, I just created my business, my house, my patients. I, I wrote down that I wanted $60,000 a month or more. And I started collecting even within the open in August. And by May, I couldn't go on my weekend trip boating the Ozarks unless I had seen two fifty a week and collected sixty thousand for the month. And um, it's always that for me it's always that reward benefit. You know, you've got to like put enough action in before I can like get on that, you know, boat go out on the water because otherwise my mind's like, shit, I should have done this, I should have done that. But the goals, I feel like even today, I'm listening to Grant Cardone in the 10X and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, you start to realize a million dollars is really small. And it's very No, yeah. By the time you add it all up and you do all these and then you look at it, you're like, oh gosh, what about ten million? What about a hundred million? What about a thousand million? And what does that look like? And how does that piece out? And when you start to to put it all together, you're like, we really do think small because it's really just zeros. And we really you know, we attract, we create, whether it's good or bad, our intention and what we put out there and how we even just through visualization, my husband, we like, we were, I was thinking of Chinese the other night. He goes, Chinese menu just showed up five minutes ago on our door. <laughs> and I do shit like that. All the time. <laughs> I always do stuff like that all the time. We do it both ways. So, you know, it depends on, you ask yourself, well, what are you creating? You know, but yeah, it's, um, it's just so huge with goals and, and, and where, you know, setting those goals and setting those intentions. I was talking to Dr. Rosie Main the other day, and she was talking about um, it took her eight years to get pregnant, and finally she wrote a note to God, and within a month, she got pregnant, and she had exactly what she wrote and what she, you know, and so sometimes we just don't trust it, but yeah, and I think that the biggest part with all of it is we just think so. We think small. Um, when we have, we are so much more powerful beyond measure. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, today I would yeah, love. I agree with you. <laughs> um, I have so much more that I could ask you and where we could go, but I want um, we're going to invite you back to come and chat with the ladies because um, I am actually I need to. Um, figure out how we can like get together sometime. Um, but I want to thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for giving me your time. And I know this is our second time getting it together. But can you please tell the ladies on this podcast where they can find you, how they can contact you if they're speaking out, coaching an opportunity, even if not, if they need to chat, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah. The, the best way to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook. It's Barbara Eaton in parentheses Heath. Um, you'll know it's me because like the big banner picture, I'm on my Harley. 
um, the little picture, I just have a big smile on my face. And my last name is E-A-T-O-N, like eat on. You can also find me at drb at drbarbaraeaton.com. So it's drb at d-r-b-a-r-b-a-r-a-e-a-t-o-n. It's my name. So that's pretty simple. Um, you can text me 907-444-9043. Um, I am four hours behind Eastern. So when it's 12 p.m. Eastern, it is um, 8 a.m. my time. So just kind of keep that in mind, please. If you get like a, a brain idea at 8 a.m. and you text me, that means it's 4 a.m. my time. <laughs> so it's going to be just a couple hours before I respond. Don't think I'm ignoring you. Um, and, and thank you, Dr. Jennifer, for having me on today. I'm so excited for the journey that you're on and excited to support you and grow together and to everyone in the audience live to be your biggest fan. Yes. Thank you, doc. Yeah. Thank you. Everyone have a great day. <laughs>